We've got a great Atomic Moms episode for you guys today. But first, I want to talk about my dirty laundry. In 2006, my boyfriend at the time and I used to go out on cute little laundromat dates. Okay, but it's 2015 now, and he's been my husband for like ever. And we even have a two-year-old. And he's still washing the same exact underwear and undershirts. This is why I'm bringing up our sponsor, Mac Weldon. They're reinventing men's basics. And I don't know who the model is on the front page of their MacWeldon.com, but you need to check him out. Okay, so the site is simple to use. There's socks, hoodies, sweatpants, t-shirts, etc. I gave some to Adam. He put on the undershirt and he said it, it felt like he wasn't wearing anything. He like did a GQ pose. They're really nice people. So if you buy something and you don't like it, you can keep it and they'll reimburse you, no questions asked. And another great thing is it's naturally antimicrobial. It eliminates the odor. MacWeldon.com. Get 20% off using the promo code ATOMIC. Get it. Stock up for the holidays. You know, just surprise him. And he'll think about you all day in his little undies. And get 20% off using our promo code ATOMIC. Hello, our listeners. Hello. Oh, what's the song? Didn't you know this is a musical podcast? What's the song that they usually sing when they? Hello, Hello, Miss Ellie. No, that when you when you go to the the musical classes for kids. Oh my god, that song, right? Hello, Miss Ellie. So happy to see you today. That's probably not the words because it sounded like too many words in the chorus. Hello, Miss Bianca. So happy to see you today. That's so. I take Sabrina to dance class, and at the end they sing. Goodbye, Sabrina. Goodbye, Sabrina. Yeah. Goodbye, Sabrina. We'll see you again real soon. Yeah. My daughter is very sensitive. She starts crying <laughs> every time. And they're saying goodbye. They say the goodbye song. She starts crying. That's the sweetest thing I've ever seen. Like she's. <laughs> I think you might have to get video of that at I some know. point. That's so sweet and sad, but sweet. so funny. Goodbye. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's she's great. Like, she's a treat. Did she like say, like, I don't want to go or anything like that? No, or she, she just, just makes her sad. Because oh. there was also, there's a version of it which is good night, yeah. you know, whoever. Yeah. And so Adam's mother's name is Bubby. So Adam started singing because we have this little book of songs and she'll pull it out. Good night, Bubby. Good night, Bubby. And then Sabrina was inconsolable. <laughs> Like she just lost it and is like, you know, buries her head in the neck, does the whole thing. Like it's very, it stirs something deep in her soul. Yeah. Well, our bedtime ritual right now, somehow uh, it became Magnolia's obsessed with You Are My Sunshine. And so I put her down and then she has to be cozy cozy so I put Aww. the that means put the blanker on it make her yeah. cozy oh isn't it and, great to have blankets now yeah. man after that first year but, when you get to have blankets I know but also she so wants it's like a billion degrees bazillion degrees and she wants me to still put the blanket on her but whatever it's her, her funeral <laughs> Wow. But, but so. You put her in the bed. So you put her in the, and she says cozy so I put the blanket on her and then she goes mama son mama son so then I have to sing her you are my sunshine and I try and like get out the door and then the minute that I get partially out there mama mama and i'm singing mama son mama son and i can hear herself like i feel so awful because i close the door she's still saying mama mama and halfway down the hall i see it's still here so she's obsessed with you are my sunshine but it's very cute yeah oh my god ellie 
What? Just us. Just us. <laughs> you know what? My eye is still twitching, folks. It has been over a month that my eye has been twitching. Does it ever stop? It just does it like a few times a day. I'm a little concerned that it there could be a... I won't go there. <laughs> but anyway, I'm just saying, people talk about dehydration. I've been drinking a lot. Uh, they say it's a magnesium thing. I've been taking a bunch of supplements. And um, the twitch is still there. <clears throat> so if anyone has any ideas... I would like to talk about something real for a minute. Not that your twitching eyes isn't real. <laughs> it's not. I mean, I don't think it is. I, but. I think I manifested it for attention. Uh, no, You? Never. No. I'm heading back to work. I'm heading back to work full time. This is the first time since Magnolia has been born that she will not be going to set with me every day. And I'm really sad about it. Like, I really am having a hard time with missing out on so much of her day and you know of course there have been the nanny trials so that's been hard too because I've also not even been able to like have a visual of who's going to be home with her because this will be the first time ever that Mike and I are both full time at the same time and um, it's weird because I was working so hard to find a nanny that I didn't even really think about the the correlation with the fact that I'm finding a nanny because I'm not going to be taking Magnolia to work with me. Um, she can still go every once in a while but you know they're so it, that's not a fun place for her anymore like it was fine when she was you know, still like eating mush and could lay. She's not a multi poo. Yeah. She can't come to set. No, she can come like one day's fun. She sees everyone. The boys play with her. It's great. But more than that, like she needs her friends at the park. But I, you know, it's, it's, I love what I do. I have such a good time there. And, and to be honest, there is a part of me that's very excited to go and be able to get work done and actually accomplish some things. Cause this summer has been really long um, without full-time nanny help and trying to get stuff done it just doesn't happen I don't multitask I'm not good at it and uh, so I'm excited for that part of it but I'm feeling really I'm feeling really bummed that like the you know with our schedule there's going to be at least half if not more of the week that I'm not going to get to see her before she goes to sleep for sure Z's. yeah <laughs> and the reason I know is because my husband created the show Undateable and um he will be gone like, <laughs> like forever. 90 hours a week. And I feel really bad because Bianca's also on the other side of town. So at least we're mm-hmm. 15 minutes away. So he can wake me up at 2 a.m., which will piss me off. And then he'll leave again at yeah. like 8. But but Bianca's got to drive all the way back to Venice, which is why your whole family should just move in with us. Uh, oh, maybe. That would be fun. <laughs> oh my God, we kill each other. I Yeah, but Mike's cute. <laughs> <laughs> so is your hubby. Yes, he is. Oh, we just got a little, it took a Uh turn, the podcast. Uh Um, And yeah, and that's the other thing is like, it's not just, she can't just pop in. It's not like a, oh, she could come in and say hi at lunch or something like that. Because it's it's an hour drive, if that, I mean, or or even more than that, it can be an hour and a half. So I was very fortunate that I've gotten to have this much time with her. I mean, when she was born, I had seven, no, six months with her before I had to go back to work. So I got really lucky. Um, and, I'm, and I'm grateful for that. And also, I, I think it's important like that our kids have their own lives a little bit and that they have their friends. And even at this young age, I think it's good to have that little independence. And so it's weird because I want Magnolia to go and have fun and do a lot of different things. But I also want to be the the one to go with the, to, to those places with her first. Which is totally... Yeah, of course, going to be her first. Yeah, it's like, I want to see her first reaction to the zoo. I want to see her first reaction to the museum. And so, like, I feel bad because... You want to be her first poor, kiss. And our poor her. nannies are like, you can you can do the park and the beach. <laughs> and music classes that I've been to already. But, you know, that's those are the hard parts. Those, that's, that's, you can't, you don't get to have your cake and eat it too, right? 
Not all the time. But it's hard, and a lot of mamas are going through it, so I'm sure they appreciate hearing you. Yeah. I mean, it's you can bitch about it. You know? Yeah. So our guest today is Anna Leffler. She is the author of The Chictionary. Wait. And her work has been in McSweeney's and Salon. She was a performer and writer on the Nickelodeon Nick Mom TV show, Parental Discretion with Stephanie Wilder Taylor. And now she's coming out this month, October, with her novel Preschooled, which is behind the the toddler-proof gate of Santa Monica's exclusive Garden of Happiness. It's the grown-ups who are getting schooled. So we're very excited to have Anna Leffler on, and we will be right back. We want to take a quick moment to remind listeners to, I don't know why I just got a lisp when I said listeners. <laughs> to follow Atomic Moms on Twitter and Instagram and on Facebook. Just search Atomic Moms on Facebook and you'll find our page. And sometimes we put special things on Facebook that we don't put on Instagram and then we don't put on Twitter. This is like a big commitment, guys. So just just look at all three. Oh, you're teasing people. You're you're giving them a little bait well, to come in. Some of the articles, you can't put that on Instagram. Yeah. And follow us. You guys follow our personal accounts too, at Miss Kylick on Instagram and Twitter. And at Ellie in LA on Instagram and Twitter. Hi, Anna. It's Ellie. And Bianca. Welcome to Atomic Hi. Moms. Hi. Okay, I want to <laughs> set up the scene for our audience. You are currently sitting in your car. <laughs> I'm sitting in my car on Chandler Boulevard, deep <laughs> in North Hollywood, with the sun shining in my eyes because I'm an idiot, and I left my sunglasses in my office. <laughs> oh, my God. Do you want to go back and we can call you right back? No, no, that's fine. It's good for me. It'll make me stronger. Do you at least have the air conditioning on? I do. I, I, I've been blasting it for five minutes to kind of take the chill off, but this is good. Okay. Well, you can, you can, you can have the, the car on with the AC still running. Please don't. Exactly. Roll up all the windows. <laughs> During our interview. Okay. And what project are you working on right now? I am, um, I'm a writer on, um, they're launching a new after show for the show Botched. Classic surgery show. Um, You know how the Walking Dead has the Talking Dead? Oh, yes, I've been. I've attended. This is the Talking Dead version of Botched. Botched. So, yeah, it's going to be called Botched Post Op. And um, it's going to start next month. Amazing. You have a really, really busy couple months because preschool uh, launches this month, October. That's nuts. It's, by the way, what a great title. Thank you. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. No, this, this opportunity came along and you're right. It's, it's about the worst possible timing I could have, but <laughs> it sounded so fun. I couldn't, I couldn't pass it up. I, um, I thought long and hard about it. Like, I think I can make this work. So it's been a blast. I have to say it's been a blast. Well, you have described yourself on your website and AnnaLeffler.com that you're a a, uh, crippling type A, you have crippling type A tendencies and sleep with a to-do list under the pillow. I don't know what that's like at all. I have no idea what that's like. Separated at birth, maybe? Separated, I know. We might be twinsies. Also, we're both from Houston, so I, you know, I'm suspicious. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love that. No one ever is from Houston. I love that. Yay. We're both in LA. We're both from Houston and we're both type A. We need to be best friends. They should clone us. I I don't know why, but. Well, can 
Can you yeah. t- you want to talk to us a little bit about preschooled? Sure, absolutely. Backdrop of the story is this kind of slightly exaggerated, dysfunctional, very snooty preschool in Santa Monica, and you have three different grown-ups who are. Um, if the preschool is the hub of the wheel, these three grown-ups are the spokes, and so it it happens in that situation, in that particular backdrop that I think is kind of very Santa Monica centric, but at the same time, I think it's everywhere. You know, this is just this flavor of it, the Santa Monica flavor of it. Um, in, in the first chapter, the, one of the main characters, because you follow three different storylines, mm-hmm. and one of the mother who shows up and her old fling is at the preschool yeah. orientation. Oh, oh boy. Right. I got a little hot and bothered there. It was pretty exciting. Did you ever experience <laughs> that? Because I saw you went to school in Berkeley also, right? The Berkeley aspects of the book, when she's looking back on her romance with, with her kryptonite guy, those are definitely kind of pulled from my personal photo album, and, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so to speak. Um, yeah. yeah, I have a theory that every woman has a kryptonite guy. I really believe that. And I've, I've asked around. And if I say, do you have a kryptonite guy? Even if they've never heard the phrase, they get this look on their face and they go, oh, yeah. And then they're gone. Like I lose them for Wait, twice. Wait, we might need to take a break. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so, <laughs> so what is your, what is your definition cool. of, a, of a kryptonite guy? What does that mean to you? The kryptonite guy is the one who no matter how hardened you are by multiple relationships or you've been dating or, you know, you're not 22 anymore. You could be a fully grown woman, but there's that one guy who around him, your defenses completely disintegrate. Like they can, they just go over the wall every time, no matter how much you hate them, no matter how many phone calls they never returned or how badly you got burned, there's just something about them. And I think every woman has one. Yeah, and what's so great about this book is it's part of it. It's not even the kryptonite guy. It's she is reliving, you know, or fantasizing about what it was like when she was young and before she had kids and when she could be romantic and when she could just let go. And she she felt beautiful. I don't know. It's the time tunnel. It's that time tunnel. And and her kryptonite guy is very skilled. He kind of does it like breathing. He's able to evoke, he's able to kind of touch these nerves in her that take her back to that time. And for anybody who has children, you really don't know how much your life is going to change until you have kids. And it's amazing and beautiful and all that, but it's different. And those memories of when, before you were a mom, before you were married, before you had all that responsibility, they become even more potent, I think. I mean, that's just, this is all my, you know, what do I know? But I think they become more potent because you have kids for the rest of your life. There's, it's not like, well, when I leave this job, I'll go back to that situation. It's over. It's, you know, you're moving forward. So he's very good at evoking these little memories, and it's a bit of a power trip. He knows how to do it, and he loves to see those little things explode in her. It makes him feel powerful, I think. Well, I hope I never run into an ex at preschool. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, I think she gets really sideswiped because she's worked really hard to get into this school. This world is new to her. She just came from the regular working world, and she's suddenly thrown into the 
kind of a little bit torqued world of really competitive moms, women who are at a different level than she is in some ways. They have a lot of help, and they do this at a pretty high level. And she's a type A person, and she's, she's feeling pretty good about the fact that she got in this school. And she's like, well, now that I'm in, I can kind of cruise. And that's when she runs right into the sky at orientation. Um, so she's, she's extremely vulnerable when he happens to land on the scene. I have a, I have my kryptonite guy, by the way, but it's like reverse. It's like weird reverse kryptonite because really, he, he, well, he wasn't like, he didn't really push my buttons, but I just always went back. <laughs> it, was like, it, was like, it was weird. It was like, I would just go back to torture him. Oh, you're the kryptonite. But yeah, but I, but I, but it wasn't because I, because I would go back. You're the crypto bitch. I was, the, I was totally the crypto bitch. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, this is good. Uh, oh man. Okay, so I'm how, digging this. How, yeah. How old are your children now? This Personally, so in your life, they are 15 and 16 now. Oh my goodness! So now I'm a broken down mother of teens, and they're <laughs> killing me. <laughs> and they're killing me. Oh well, we have to get into that. Yeah. But I'm curious. Did you have to? What was your research like for getting back into the preschool world with this book? Yeah, and also because, because it's I've changed. done some, I've done some tours, and um, and I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of talk in this town about who might be who in this book. That's exactly what I'm afraid of. But I think it's all good, right? <laughs> it's all good because your kids are already out of it. I mean, if you had a kid that oh, yeah. was about to start preschool, I might be a little concerned. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so who told all? Did you get girlfriends who had younger kids or did you pretend like you had a child and go on tours? Give us the dirt. You know, I'll be honest. I mean, this is because this is a work of fiction and because these these memories are kind of scorched into my cerebellum from my own experience. I I took it from a very fictional point of view. I did a, I did a certain amount of research kind of checking back in with my friends who have younger kids and going, is it still like that when I was there? And they're like, yep. I'm like, all right, thanks. I'm good. Because it's, it's very much, it's very much a mindset. And the, the story, I mean, I don't want to give you the impression that, that the book is kind of a, a slam fest on, you know, moms or anything like that. It, it really is three, three stories. You know, it's, it's an emotional book the backdrop was kind of too good not to use because when I was going through this, I was thinking this cannot be real. It was just, there was, there was so much, there were so many kind of caricatures and things that were said or things that I overheard that made me go, okay, at some point I have to use this, um, this notion because I'd never, I had never encountered people like this before. And, and I mean that in kind of a complimentary way, like being a type A person, when I walked into my preschool situation, um, I, I'm a competitive person. I mean, it, it, I started going, Oh my gosh, I, I suck at this. I need to up my game. You know, like my cookies are hideous looking and it, you know, it really kind of pushed my competitive buttons. And so I see how this happens. And I've seen no evidence that any of that has changed, you know, it's really, and I think at the preschool level, it is absolutely magnified because preschool parenting is so very hands-on 
You don't drop your kids off at play dates typically in preschool. You're there. You know, at this point, you know, my kids are in high school. I don't work in the classroom. They don't right. want us to work in the classroom. We're training and, them to be adults. And so but, many moms have given up, you know, everything that, you know, they get pregnant and then they leave their job. And then yeah. like, what do we do with that energy? And where do I find my worth? So I'm, yeah, I'm going to make the best damn cookies ever, or I'm going to yes. buy them and pretend I made them or <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those early years, because it's, it is, a, I think it's probably a very scary time for a lot of moms in terms of identity. It is very scary because I, you know, I had been, I, I had worked full-time my whole life um, before becoming, you know, I had the luxury of becoming a full-time mom, and I'm very aware that that's luxury, and I felt a lot of pressure. If I'm going to get to do this, I should really do it well, and being around a bunch of other people who have that same idea, but different aspects of how they're implementing it, it can be really overwhelming, you know? I mean... The competitive mom thing, I see where it comes from. I think it does come from essentially a good place. It's wanting to do right by your kids. It gets a little twisted sometimes, I think. Well, sometimes it's very ego-driven, which we've talked about with our other guest, Dr. Shafali. Yeah, but I got sucked into it. I, I will totally own that. And part of, you know, I think of this book as like my love letter, my comedic love letter to that time in my kids' life and in my life. Um, because I got completely absorbed in it, and um, I look back now, and it's like, you know, just Justine is very much, uh, I wish I were more like Justine, but she's kind of every mom. She drops into this and is our kind of eyes and ears on the ground in the sandbox, kind of showing us what it's like, um, and that's kind of how I felt. I, I really... I kind of felt like I hadn't really known what I'd been doing up until then, and that made me really uncomfortable. And I think it's spun out into a lot of different directions. You mentioned earlier in the podcast that your teenagers are now kicking your ass. So could you please <laughs> uh, expand yeah, on tell that? Tell us what we, uh, what we have to look forward to. You know, I, I was one of those people who, you know, when my children were 9, 10, 11, 12, um, my friends who had older kids would be like, yeah, you just wait. You know, and then they'd like take a long draw on a cigarette and look at me with <laughs> evil eyes. Like, you just wait, you know? Um, and I was like, come on, that's a cliche. I'm not, I'm not going to buy into that. Oh my God. Yeah. It, it, it happens. I have great kids. I mean, they're good, solid, loving children, you know, and I'm very grateful for that, but it's textbook. It's really textbook. Um, the, the back and forth, the Jekyll and Hyde. And I know that they're kind of strapped into their own carnival ride that they're on, that they don't have a lot of control over. And I try to remember that. And I, I try to run up behind them and hug them before they can like push away. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, I got, got these levels off of you. It um, sounds like toddler dumb part two. It's very much. Somebody pointed that out to me the other day and it helped me a lot to have somebody say, come on, you know, Developmentally, the behaviors are very similar between toddlers and, and especially earlier teens, you know. Um, but they're, they're the same people inside, and I know that. But <laughs> I'm not mature enough to not get my feelings hurt, and I'll admit that. I mean, I know I'm supposed to be above it all, but, you know, I'll, I'll go wake my daughter up sometimes in the morning, and it, it's 
it's just, it's like waking up, you know, Sam Kinison or Jeffrey Dahmer or something. It's like, <laughs> what am I going to get this morning? She's either going to just wake up and refuse to speak to me or just, and I'm not ready for that. You know, right. I'm, I'm, I'm an emotional person. So there's that kind of stuff that's going on. But I've been assured that that is just part of the journey and they, they come around the corner in a couple of years from now. And so I'm just trying to stay as connected as I can. And if I try to make them laugh, if, if we can keep laughing, I know, I know we're good. You know, if I, cause that means their defenses are down. If I can crack them up and I feel like, all right, we're good. So you're grumpy. I get it, but we're still good. And that's kind of what I'm clinging to. I love you admitting that, that it does hurt your feelings because I think oh, a, lot totally. of, a lot of times as parents, we, um, you know, we think we should be, be above it, like you said, and and it's really hard because we're still humans. And so, yeah. and, and and not only humans, You've but given we're, your whole life. We're humans that are bending over backwards right. for these. I mean, you gave up kryptonite. You gave up chasing kryptonite <laughs> for these right. children. So they need to wake up and say, good morning, mother. <laughs> Sabrina's just says door, daddy, daddy, mommy, door. <laughs> she always wants daddy. Exactly. No, they, 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 you know, we're speaking a different language. You know, they just, they're not, they haven't had the laps around the track that we have. And I, I do try to rise above it, but, you know, I'm not a very mature person. <laughs> Wait, really fast for our, our listeners, because I, I, I don't want to forget. I saw on your website that you have a thing going on. Like if, if moms have a book club with your book, that you'll send stuff to them. Can you talk about that? Oh, absolutely. No, I love, I would love to do stuff with book clubs. I like, um, I like, I like doing stuff that's a little bit different. Like, um, you know, I'd like to, I'm putting together these goodie packages to send to people. I just had these promotional items made and they're foot sanders. You know how you have like calluses on your feet? Oh, I oh, do. Yeah. I'm sure oh, you yeah. don't. I no, do. I'm looking at calluses, them. You know. um, so there's those, you know, those plastic foot sanders, you know, and so they're printed with um, preschool because parenthood can be rough. Oh, so, that's I awesome. Like, like, well, see, that's where, and you started in PR. So this is where it's all exactly. coming full circle. <laughs> I know, I'm putting my PR roots here. Um, but I so love stuff like that. Like, I have this mug that every morning, I'm a super early morning person, and I'm also a super coffee person. And I have this mug that's a unicorn, and it has, like, a big ceramic horn, and the, the, the handle that you hold on to is this rainbow tail, and his name's Rodrigo. And <laughs> um, there are more Rodrigos out there, and I know where to get them. So I'm thinking, you know, for book clubs, I would put together a package of, you know, things that are really special to me, you know, books, obviously, but the things that, that mean a lot to me, because then it's personal. I mean, one of the things I take very seriously is encouraging moms and dads um, to write and to be creative when they have young children, because I think it's an anchor that, in a good way, not, not the kind you throw yourself overboard with and sink, but... <laughs> Kind. Oh, darn. <laughs> um, because I think it's so, so, so important to start establishing another track for yourself so you can do something that has nothing to do with kids and that really grows a different part of your mind and your and your soul, not to get too new agey on you. Um, oh, we're super new agey. Don't worry about so it. important. <laughs> I, yeah, I am too. I'll admit it. You know, we both have to be like 
you know, we have to put the parentheses around it. Like, I'll admit that I'm super, like, <laughs> we were both like that. And, um, but yeah, we talk a lot about our spirits, don't we, Bianca? Oh, yeah. And I don't put parentheses around She my... doesn't. <laughs> I do, but I, but I lean into it and I love it. And, and you're totally right. So you were, you, you said that you were writing your first book with your children in preschool that you were writing it on the dashboard and yeah. so was that your first novel is that in a drawer somewhere can we buy it what's what's the deal with that first yeah. work that's the first novel and it is i have some of the most beautiful rejection letters they would move you to tears um <laughs> what would they got, say <laughs> i had some exquisitely painful close calls with the first novel um and you know that could get dusted off and and rewritten and fluffed up at some point but that was that was what I was writing at the time. That's kind of the book that I cut my teeth on, and it was a it was a it was a really big learning experience, both craft wise and publishing industry wise, and the whole agent shopping thing. It was just I just kind of jumped in the pool. So that one has not come out. The humor book came out in 2011. That was kind of a totally different kind of book, a dictionary. But this one, this one really is my baby because. I kind of cut my teeth on the first one and then on the first novel. And then this is, this is the one that has, you know, several years of straight work in it. And I love that um, because I have a first novel in a drawer somewhere and I think it's really, and I think it's really good for listeners to hear that, you know, even if the first one doesn't end up at Barnes and Noble, like keep working and keep going at it because you, you, and you will take so much from that first experience. Well, also it's so amazing to, I think, go back and look at, you know, anything that you've created or made or written or, you know, Mm -hmm. a a project that you've done um, before you kind of had cut your teeth and, and learned your lessons and, and kind of understanding the ropes because I I had something like that in my 20s and I went back and um, I looked at it and I was like, oh my God, this is so shitty. And I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. And, you know, it's weird. Like in that time and place, I thought this was the best thing ever. And then, but it's such an amazing, you know, yardstick by which to measure how far you've come. I mean, that's right. what's really for sure. And also, but sometimes to be the contrarian here, yeah. the that first work there are gems in it that you would never be able to get again because there's something about not knowing how to do something yeah. and just jumping off and doing it anyway and all of those rules you break sometimes there's really oh, special yeah. things that come from that's that. very true and that actually get lost once yeah. we're heady and we're trying to you know save the cat and all that crap right <laughs> that book save that's the cat exactly for screenwriters right. if I mean, people know the first draft of that first manuscript started literally with the sound of someone throwing up at work in the bathroom. <laughs> and, you know, just kind of like, well, let's just start there. Never occurred to me. You're right, because I just jumped in. I was sitting at Starbucks. My daughter was asleep in the stroller next to me. And I was like, all right, let's do this. And that's where the story started. And that was the first note I got back on that chapter was maybe not start with the barfing sound. But see, I no, like no. I'm hooked. I like that too. I'm hooked. I think a lot of people want to know the beginning. Of the, like, the, what? Why is the guy throwing up? Yeah. What, what is this establishment where she's working? That who like, who gave you this up? note? I know. God. <laughs> see, that's it seems other, like a grabber to me. The, well, that's the it other, is. that's the other thing, and I think this is true in our work as it is in parenting. Is that just because somebody says no doesn't mean it isn't any good. 
because right. a lot of people have stinky opinions about things. And, you know, I think that um, there's a lot of people that we bow to or feel like their word is the gospel because they may be higher up than us. But a lot of those people mm-hmm. are just scared shitless and making decisions based on not wanting to lose their job or they're fearing to yeah. take a risk because times have changed. You know, and I think in in any um, capacity and especially as parents when when you have an idea to go maybe a different way or something feels like well everyone says I should do this in parenting my child but this actually feels right to me it's like go with your gut and stick with what you know because you you just you never know maybe the person's having a bad day and that's where their opinion is coming from right um, if you believe in it and I think that that's something that we all need to um, work on and Ellie and I talk about this all the time is standing strong in our uh, our own conviction on things. Absolutely. I, I think that's one of the upsides of getting older is, you know, some of that stuff starts to fall away, not a hundred percent, you know, because we want to succeed. We want, you know, we, we want that gatekeeper to wave us through, but at the same time, it gets a little freeing at some point. I don't know if there's a magic age that you reach or something, but you kind of go, no, this is how the story is. This is, this is what I'm doing my name on it you want to publish it okay this is what I'm doing and it's it can be incredibly empowering you know within reason I mean everything is about balance I think all of life is about balance and of course there's a balance to that too but you're, I totally agree with you. I also think that it has to do with, I think as we we grow older, we stop taking things personally because, you know, my dad always used to say the best time of his life was between 40 and 60. And he's like, mm-hmm. because, it, because I just became comfortable with who I was and I didn't really give a shit what anyone else thought. And it's, beautiful. And it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful place to sit in. I feel like I'm just starting to understand that and just starting to um, get to that place where I, I feel like so much of my life was, uh, if I say this to somebody and they take it the wrong way, what will they think about me? Instead of just being confident in the fact that I know I'm a loving, kind person and I'm doing the best that I can. And, you know, there, there isn't there, there's always someone you're going to piss off. Someone's not going to like your book. Someone's going to love your book. I mean, that's just the right. way that it goes. Well, I think there's huge, huge power in, in just being humble and going, you know what? I, I gave it my best shot. I, you know, I'm sorry if I misunderstood something. I'm sorry if, you know, because I had that same terror of, like, this excruciating need to be polite, overly polite in all ways at all times. And that's finally falling away, and it's it's changed my life to be able to kind of go, well, you know what? I, you know, I'll own that, but that's kind of how it is, and that's who I am, and we'll see how it goes. You know, it's it's very... It's, I think it's it's just a very it's a power position to the end to go. I got that wrong. Sorry, sorry. About right. That. How you did know? you, as a working mother, uh, and being in the entertainment industry, have you ever had experiences where you you're like, well, if a man said it, it'd be fine, but I've got to make it seem extra nice, or how like, how do you juggle that? My my point of view on that, I think, might be a little. A little unusual. Um, oh, good. That's I what we a, like on the podcast. I had, <laughs> I had a previous, like, all the entertainment and writing stuff is a second career for me. I'm I'm a reformed spin doctor. I was a crisis communications consultant <laughs> before I left my job and got pregnant. And, and you are scandal. That. You are like on scandal. A spin exactly. doctor, like right, like a but crisis. Not- 
like exactly. a li- like Olivia Pope. Really cool. Yeah, <laughs> like the uncool version of Olivia Pope, which is actually kind of cool, <laughs> which is super cool. It was, yeah. was kind of. It was not nearly as sexy as that show. I love that show. Um, but it was the same type of thing, kind of on the, on the more corporate side, but, um, but it, it was, you know, I came up through the corporate world and I was the one who was sitting in meetings, writing jokes in my head when I should have been trying to figure out what to do for the client, but I, I was in the wrong career. I'll put it that way. Um, and just kind of grew up with the notion that like, it never occurred to me that I could do things like I do now because that wasn't part of my world. And, you know, I had my own insecurities and all that, and I was on the corporate side. So most of my, like I, I formed my thoughts about being a woman in the workplace through my twenties, but not in the entertainment business in the corporate side. So what was it like on the corporate side? My take on that is I don't think of myself first and foremost, as a woman. I think of myself first and foremost as a person. And that was not an intentional thing. I didn't stake out a territory. I just realized at some point when I went on an interview, it never occurred to me to think, are they going to give me this job? You know, is it going to matter that I'm a woman? Are they going to give it to a man because they're a man? I just didn't think about it. I think really it was like a naivete that I had, that it was going to be really based on ability. And I kept that notion. I, I still look at it that way. I don't, um, I just kind of do my thing. And I've been very fortunate that I haven't honestly run into a lot of, at least in my face, getting crap about my gender. It may help that I'm kind of a dude. I have, I have dude-like tendencies. I I tend to, I have like the sense of humor of a 13-year-old boy. You know, I, <laughs> I, I tend to kind of roll pretty easily with a lot of things. I have kind of just done my work, made my jokes, run my meetings, and I've had a couple little skirmishes, but it's been pretty minimal. And having crossed over into the entertainment side, it's been pretty encouraging, I would say. Well, and um, I, it's so good to hear. I also think that, by the way, so much of our lives and what happens to us is dictated by our perception of, of what we think. And the fact that you were saying you went into it with this idea of I'm not a woman or a man, I'm a person who does good work. You allowed yourself this viewpoint that, that wasn't limiting. And I think that I wish more people, and I struggle with this. I know Ellie struggles with this. We talk about it a lot. It's like I do wish that we were taught from a young age and that society as a whole embraced how much control we have over what our experience is based on what we choose to view and what we choose to see. And, you know, I mean, I I think it's like you, you, you create your path based on the beliefs you have. But I also wish that like we could say as women, because I recently wrote an email and it came across as potentially like, you know, too serious or dismissive because I didn't put the usual exclamation points or like the Uh, smiley face and that stuff. And I really wish that like as a human, like as a human race, that we could just all drop the smiley faces and exclamation points because I feel like women have been <laughs> leaning on it so much or the LOLs right. for the younger girls right. 
that it's like we can't even just sort of say what we need or want without feeling this like, oh, well, I better, you know, make yeah. it extra cute That's so it's really more good point. so it's more palatable. But I and but it doesn't I, seem threatening. I also think that a lot of that too, though, is that we are communicating in a way that we haven't communicated before, for the most part. I mean, most, most generations now are growing up with that level of communication. But it used to be you talked face to face or you heard the person's voice, so you were able to say what you wanted to say and have a communication, have an instantaneous response, and it was based on intonation. It was exactly. based on inflection, all of those things. And now, and we can be human. We yeah. And now we're writing, and it doesn't matter if you put those exclamations or you put whatever. If you say yeah. something and the person decides to interpret the way they want to interpret it, they're going to interpret it that way. But I just feel like I'm just annoyed that men don't, you know, if they do the exclamation points or like the emoticons, they, they, they seem kind of off or like weird <laughs> and like disturbing. But it, it feels kind of necessary for women sometimes. And that's I, like I a don't bummer. know if I agree with that entirely. I think I that just, I'm, just, I'm sitting here thinking about the, the emails that I sent recently and I've got a lot of smileys in there. And I'm going to have to look at that. <laughs> Because I think you're right. That's really interesting. See, I have like this um, this very dominant hostess gene where I need to make sure everybody's okay. Yeah, you know, is everybody feeling good about this? And I think that's where the smileys come from. But but that's a really good point because I think if a man sent me an email that was filled with smileys, you'd be like, oh, I'd be he like, wants what the me. Hell? Well, no, you know? I would just think that guy I mean, was not a, in a wuss. bad way. I just feel that like, too. Well, that's unusual. Yeah. yeah, I once got a text after a date and there was an emoticon and I was like, oh, <laughs> the end. Yeah. I like some of them. I, I like some of them, but it, like a business email. Yeah, I don't know. But women That's will do really business emails with exclamation point. points. Anyway, another topic for another time, but I'm glad that you humored <laughs> me on it. And uh, I, I'm, you know, maybe this will be my new mission. From now on, the world just know. I'm going to try this for one month. The month of October, I'm not going to put any exclamation points. I'm not going to put any smiley faces. <laughs> and we'll just see. Everyone's going to think I'm a raging bitch. No. And you know what? I'll lean no, into that. Because you know what, though? Just one more point to add on to that. I feel like in emails and texts and stuff when people do that, I see through it. Like to me, it's like, oh, they, they know they're saying something that's a little hard and they're trying to soften <laughs> it. But it's not. You know, like it, it, it comes across as very false to me. So right. I always feel like it's it's more of a thing where I'm like, oh, they, it's a cute little touch that they're putting on there, but it's not sincere. You don't feel the sincerity of it. But yes, uh, how we I'm talk, have how so we... much performance anxiety when I email you guys and go thanks for having me. Oh my god! I know no exclamation points. I'm already freaking out about it. Well, because Bianca's gonna go. Oh, there was lack of sincerity there. Lack of sincerity. Um, no smileys at all. What a jerk. Anna. We can't wait for everyone to read your book. We're so Thank excited you. about it. Preschool, it comes out in October. We're recording this like a week before it's going to come out. So yep. everybody go on Amazon, get it, get it at com, And it's also available for your e-readers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. Go back inside. Go back in that air conditioning. <laughs> find your sunglasses. Thank you for sitting in the car. We are so touched and honored that you are a guest and that you fit us in like that. We appreciate it. Thank well, you. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye. We'll be right back. And we're back. <laughs> we're laughing because we just had to do that four times. Also, we're telling each other like inappropriate jokes 
before we come on and then we giggle and then we say something like we're serious but you guys hear us laughing and it's a whole thing anyway um okay we're gonna wrap up this episode <laughs> with it's, it's pull a, it together it's a friday afternoon you guys we're we're giddy ellie's gonna sit no, in two hours time, of traffic on the way every home. time that we record on a friday evening i try and drag it out as long as possible because i'd rather just go home after seven well then you miss sabrina though She'll still be on the potty. <laughs> stall thing. <laughs> stall tactics. I'm on to that little missy. Yeah. And her stall tactics. Traffic is awful. And it's like hot. It's crazy. Okay, tell me what to buy. That'll make me feel better. Okay. What's your mom's You session? guys, so uh, I was sitting at my, at my house. And out of the blue, I looked at Mike and I'm like, somewhere there has to be a mini bouncy house that you can buy for your child and always have it in your house. Because... My child, and I think a lot of children, are obsessed with bouncy houses. I'm obsessed <laughs> with bouncy houses. Um, there's a there's a kid's play place near us that has a huge bouncy house, and I take Magnolia there, not so she can have a good time, but so I can get it. First of all, it's fantastic exercise. Secondly, it's great fun. You um, get in the bouncy house yourself? Yeah. We're not going to just like slide right past that. You get in the bouncy house, and you it doesn't... It's a huge bouncy house. It's a, it's it an enormous... adult weight? Yeah. At I'm impressed. Adult weight. What do you, you are you insinuating? No, that I was I afraid. Use, that I, I was afraid that you were going to take it the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say like you don't pop it. <laughs> there's there's almost big bouncy houses adults can get into. There's just they're usually so overrun right. with kids. But that, so, but I'm talking about like in front yards. Yeah, you're saying big ones. okay, okay, right. okay big But ones. I'm saying. I'm sure there has to be a mini one that you could have like a little mini bouncy session for your kid because kids really love them. Right. So I went on Amazon and sure enough, there is one called the Blast Zone, Blast Zone Mini Bouncy House. And I ordered it and it showed up at our house. And let me tell you, Magnolia freaking loves it. And she wakes up first thing in the morning and she goes, bouncy? bouncy <laughs> where do you put so, it so in our playroom it's it's only like six feet by six feet so it's pretty small and it it's adults cannot go in this one sadly <laughs> i was very upset to realize that once it got to our house but um it doesn't have a roof on it so and the dogs don't like attack it no they're not allowed in the playroom okay um and uh she takes all her dolls in there and she jumps and jumps and jumps and we put music on and i i have to post this video i'll put it on our um, instagram feed because she I have not ever heard her giggle like this. Like, she's in there giggling like a mad woman. She loves it so much. And it's so much fun. I'm having so many, like, bad parent thoughts right now. Like what? Like, all the things I could get done while my child was bouncing. In the bouncy house? (laughs) Yeah. Like, that sounds like a great... Uh, this is why it's my mom's session. Yeah, um, it's awesome. And and how long does it take to inflate? Did you pass out while blowing it up? Ten seconds. It comes with its own blower. No, stop it. It's and then honestly, you unplug it from the blower and it folds it's down. It's gone. Yeah, it's gone. It's like a party in a box. It's it's amazing. I think later on I'm going to order a bigger one with a slide for the front yard, but that's another story. Another oh, time. Boy. I'm obsessed with the bounce. I'm gonna I'm gonna develop a bouncy house workout. <laughs> 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 that's the best and worst idea I've ever heard. What's well, you know, that's what it is. You'd be like, it's a trampoline workout, but you have to buy this massive thing. Yeah, it only costs you $1,200. <laughs> that's not how much, how much this bouncing house need, costs, and you it? need No, and okay. you need to live in on a state so you have room to put it up. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, it doesn't. And oh my God, you always see the things on Facebook of like the bouncy houses falling away. I mean, it's kind of tragic. It's, it is kind of tragic. So but that's what's great. It's a safe way to do it. It's a safe way because you put it inside. It Like two kids, three kids max fit in it and they have a jolly good bounce in time. 
Okay. <laughs> I'm in love with it. Come I'm going to sneak in. Bring Sabrina I'll over. Pop it. <laughs> I'll like come in and it, there's like a huge hole in it. Ellie. Ellie. Uh, Mom bomb. Okay, our guest today, Anna Leffler, was a, is a faculty member of Irma Bombeck's Writers Workshop. And so my mom bomb today comes from Irma Bombeck, uh, who is a huge influence on Anna and so many uh, comedic writers, especially mamas. So here it is. It's so good. Buckle up. <clears throat> it was written on April 17th, 1996, and it was her last column. Okay. I'm excited to share this. <laughs> I'm going to just keep stalling. <laughs> okay. Such a okay. My deeds will be measured not by my youthful appearance, but by the concern lines on my forehead, the laugh lines around my mouth, and the chins from seeing what can be done for those smaller than me or who have fallen. Oh, Isn't that great? Yeah. Irma's great. No Botox people. Anna Leffler's great. <laughs> Bianca Kylick is great. Ellie Noss is great. Okay. And yeah. you know who else is great? <laughs> Our listeners, we love you guys. <laughs> and I did, Maria, I did mean I did mean that, by the way. It came across as very insincere and like being cheeky, but I, I did mean it. I love our mm. listeners. I, I get excited. Ellie and I get excited about doing the show, and um, and we love you guys. So remember, trust in your goodness. Live out your greatness. Rock, Rock on. on, Atomic Moms. Nice Slayer. Rock on. <laughs>